This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning. Man, isn't it just amazing that we all get to come together and just worship God together in this place and just sing songs to Him and just honor Him? Because, yeah, come on. If, that's right. You think about it, as, as we were kind of just winding down singing there, I, I was thinking about it. Maybe, maybe you heard me say it, maybe you didn't. Um, but we give a lot of people honor for different things. You know, if we saw some big celebrity or some important political figure come on, man, we would want to make sure everything was just right. We would want to make sure everything was done just so-so because we would want that person to know this is how we're honoring you, you know, because you're so important. But let me tell you something, there is no one worthy of more honor than our God. There is no one worthy of more honor than the worship that we give to Him, that we are just loving on Him. No one else is worthy of a, of a corporate assembly where we gather week in and week out and all throughout the week in di- various different ways where we all just come together and start singing as one heart with one voice and praise and worship and honor to Him. Nobody else is worthy of that. You know what? Nobody else is worthy. We may stand and honor those that are important in our society. We may give them a hand clap, but no one is worthy of a better hand clap or a better praise than our God who is our creator, who loves us so much that he sent his only son for us. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, we're going to wrap up this series um, called Real Life this morning, and we're going to take a little different twist on it. I want to talk to you about authentic faith. I want to talk to you about how our real faith applies to our life and how we can make sure that as we pursue our relationship with God, as we are moving forward in our relationship with Him, that we're doing it in a way that is real and genuine because this world is looking for real, authentic people. Amen? I'm looking for real people. I like hanging out with real people. I, I, I like hanging out with people that I can be myself with, that I can be authentic. That's the kind of folks I like being with. And that's the way you and I need to approach real life with real, genuine faith. And not just a form, not just a way that we do things, not just a play. You know, when I was a kid, I was in a play. You ever been in a play before, maybe in grade school or something? Yeah. I was in a play that actually in second grade that um, our, our class got to write the play. And it was around this time of year, actually. And I got to play the character that I came up with. Very creative name. Hold your breath. It was called the Evil Mr. Armstrong. And that was his character that I came up with in second grade. And what the Evil Mr. Armstrong was going to do was he was going to take all of this Halloween candy that was going to be given to children as they were going out and knocking on doors and stuff. And he was actually going to unwrap the candy, and I had this little vial that I was dropping something on that was going to make the kids sick. And I wrapped it back up. Now, the the moral of the story of this play that we wrote was, if you go out and you get candy from other people's houses around Halloween time, don't eat treats that were already open. Okay, And, and we all came up with this. Our teacher just gave us just free creative license. And this is what a group of second graders came up with, okay? So here I am, the mis- evil Mr. Armstrong, you know, and that, that, that I, I worked so hard on writing all my lines. Every, every character got to write their own lines, and we submitted them to the teacher. And Then we got to put on our play for all of the kids that were in our grade but weren't in our class. And I remember being so excited to do this play because our whole class had worked so hard on this. 
And I memorized all of my lines to perfection because I was going to just wow them with this character, you know. And you better not eat candy that looks like it's already been open, you know. And that was the whole moral of the story, you know. And so here I was unwrapping it. And I was so excited about my lines, I even remember um, jumping over some of the other kids' lines. Like it was their turn to speak, but I was so excited to say my next part that I went ahead and said my next part in the school play. You know, I just jumped right ahead. And, and, and afterwards, I remember my buddy Antonio telling me, hey, I missed my whole part because you jumped over it, you know. I was so excited to share that part. And, you know, here I was, this guy that I had, I had this, you know, just, just this evil laugh that I had come up with. Ah, ha, ha, I'm going to unwrap the candy, you know, and all, all the goofy stuff that we came up with. But as, as I think about that, and as we look at different, you know, plays that we've been in, different characters that we've played, even though I was this evil character in front of all these other students, that wasn't really who I was. It was just a character that I was playing. It's just lines that I'd memorized. It was just parts that I had gotten really good at. And I was very excited about how good I had gotten at all of those parts. And I wanted to convince everyone for that moment that that's who I was. But it really wasn't who I was. I wasn't the evil Mr. Armstrong. I was just a goofy second grader like all the other second graders. That's what was real, is that it wasn't who I really was. It was just a character that I was playing. And here's the thing that I want us to get, is that the character that we play doesn't change our character. It doesn't change who we really are. I want you to write that down. The character that you play doesn't change your character. Because you can learn all of the lines. You can memorize all the parts. You can memorize everything on the script that you want to memorize. But when the lights go down, when the curtain is finally called... Does that really mean that that was who you are? We get really good at this. We get really good at this in life. We get really good at this in church. When we're around certain people, we know the right things to say around those people. We know the way that we should act at our job. And we know the things that we should say and the things we shouldn't say. We know how to act around our kids, what we should say, what we shouldn't say. We know how to act around our spouse, the things that we want to tell her and the things we don't want to tell her. And we do the same thing at church, and we do the same thing with God. We play these different characters in these, in these different roles. And we know all the right things to say. You know what I'm talking about, too, so don't even play with me this morning, all right? We're just, we ain't playing today. When you go to Walmart and you see the church person, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's time for me to step into character. Oh, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, hallelujah. Oh, let me tell you, God has been so good to me, he's been better than me, and I have been to myself. How are you doing today? And we automatically step into this character, and we've learned these lines. Matter of fact, we even have our own lingo that we share that we only use among our little subculture of maybe our church family or our Christian friends. All of a sudden, things change. You know your buddy is going to get in the car with you in five minutes, so you run out to your car, and you change all the presets on your radio to make sure that they're all Christian. Because if he says, hey, let's listen to some music, you want to make sure that there's some Jesus pumping through. And we step into this role of this character that we play. And we're just this way around certain people. Now, just because we can get all of the parts right, just because we can say everything just right, just because we can appear to everyone else like we're this character, that doesn't mean that that's who we really are. That doesn't mean that this is really our faith. That this is really the life change that I talk about, the life change that I may even sing about, the life change that I may even have memorized, that doesn't mean that that's happened on the inside of me just because I can play the part, just because I've memorized 
the lines. You see, memorization does not equate to transformation, and neither does performance. You can memorize and you could perform all day long, but that doesn't equate to transformation just because you've got me convinced that you've memorized your lines. That doesn't mean that that's who you are. And a lot of times we will want to memorize certain things and learn certain things so we can convince everyone else that, hey, I'm like you. Or, hey, look at me. I'm spiritual. I have a close relationship with God. Or we get completely blinded to the fact of what Christianity is and we think that Christianity is just all about memorization. We think Christianity is all about just somehow enhancing and making my performance better so I can show everyone else and show God that I really am a Christian. You know, if I can do everything just right, if I can hold my mouth just right, if I can stand up just right, if I can walk just right, then I'll convince God that I'm really one of His. And I'll convince everyone else in the process. Maybe if I come to church and I learn how to do all of the things that the church tells me I should do the way the church should tell me to do it. Maybe I should learn how to do all of these things, you know, in, 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 in these traditional ways so I can learn, you know, because we, a lot of times we think that tradition equals relationship with God. And, and listen to me, tradition doesn't authenticate your relationship with God. Hello, somebody. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with tradition. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to bash tradition or memorization or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not here to bash those things. But if you lose the sense of why you do what you do, then it becomes more than just tradition. It becomes more than just memorization. It doesn't authenticate our relationship with God. It doesn't mean that we are living the life that God wants us to live just because we may say and do all the things that either the church tells us we should do or all the things that our parents have told us to do or all the things we think we should do or the things we've grown up hearing that we should do or the things we've experienced. And we think if I can get all this right, then that means I have a real relationship with God. And folks, let me tell you, tradition doesn't authenticate that. It doesn't authenticate a relationship with God. Let me show you this in the book of Mark in the seventh chapter. If you've got your Bible, you can go there. Mark chapter 7. Jesus is meeting up with the classic scenario of the Pharisees once again. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were the guys that were, they, they knew it all, they held everything to perfection or they tried to really hard. But more importantly than them trying to hold everything to perfection that was in the law of God, they would actually add things to the law and those things were called fences that they would actually build to kind of protect and guard the law to make sure you really don't mess up. And they would hold everyone to that standard. And if they didn't meet their standard or their interpretation of the law, then, you know, you were no good. You were nobody. And so these guys were very judgmental. They were very prideful in how well they could adhere to certain things of the law, how well they could adhere to their interpretations of the law. And they were always looking to catch Jesus in a slip-up. Because if Jesus was coming here to be the Savior, the Messiah, which they obviously didn't believe he was, then he would do things the way we do things and the way that we've always done things. Because that's what an authentic follower of God looks like in their minds. And so he has to play the exact part that they're trying to convince everyone else to play. And Jesus fulfilled the law in perfection. So you must understand something about Christ. Jesus didn't do anything 
that was against the law of God. Because Christ said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to actually fulfill it. So you have to understand, Jesus did everything correctly. So anything that they pointed out, can we all agree that Christ did everything uh, in perfection? Okay, so if Christ did everything perfectly, then that means that everything that he met opposition with, with the religious leaders, there must have been some error in their interpretation, right? Because if he did everything right and they would get on to him for doing something wrong, was Jesus saying he was above that? No, I'm not saying I've come to do away with it. I'm actually doing it correctly and showing you what the law actually looks like when it's done the way that God intended it for, for it to be done. But these guys have added all these other things to it, and they were looking for Jesus to mess up, or his disciples, so they could call him out on it. And so that's exactly what's happening here in Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, talking about coming to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and they hold, like washing cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other things that you do. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. He said, Listen, Jesus is telling them, listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to do things a certain way, but when you exalt that above God, then what does it become? An idol. Anything exalted above God in our lives is an idol. Amen? God said, I'm first. I'm it. I'm, I'm everything you need. I'm number one. There will be no other God. There will be no other thing before me. And a lot of times we, we misunderstand thinking that there are, there are good things in life. There are good things in relationships. There are good things with our kids. There are good things in church that can be quickly exalted above God. And we lose the purpose of why we were doing what we were doing. You remember we talked about idol worship. We talked about how idols lie. We talked about that in the addiction message. We talked about how idols will lie so you will worship them. Well, there's an idol that is lying that will say, if you do things this way, then that means you have an authentic relationship with God. If you don't do these things, then you don't have an authentic relationship with God. Folks, it's never the things that make us right with God. It's our faith in Jesus alone. Amen? It's our faith in Christ alone. But sometimes we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight of that and we can hold to some things that are familiar, things that are comfortable in our lives, things that are comfortable in our relationships, things that are comfortable in our church, and we can say, I can't worship God without this. Now, get me, don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with keeping traditions, but when you can't worship God without them, they become an idol. Amen, somebody. You see, I go by what the Word of God says, and that's what you and I have to go by. We have to trust that this is God's revelation of Himself to us. 
and we follow that and not just traditions of men. There's nothing wrong with those things, but if we worship them above the Word, if we worship them above God, even though we may try, be trying to use those things to authenticate a relationship with God, it still becomes an idol. How many of you guys love it when the Packers make the Lambo leap? Right? Woohoo! Like one person claps. One person's excited about that. The rest of you guys might have got excited for a second. Come on. We get excited when they do it. Why do they do that? Because it's tradition. We love that. We love watching them do that. Matter of fact, if somebody didn't do that, they would be on the front page of the newspaper saying that they did not do it. But here's the thing. Can the Packers still win without it? Absolutely. You see, the Packers can win without it, but they do it because they're excited about the fact that they just scored and they want to celebrate that with their fans. As long as we keep those things inside of why we do things and those things don't get exalted above the purpose of them, then they're okay. But you and I have to understand that that still is not what wins the game. What wins the game is making sure we focus on the goal of scoring the touchdown, right? It's the same thing in our relationship with, with, with our spouse, same thing in relationship with our kids, same thing at our jobs. We have to keep the main thing the main thing and that we can't get so caught up and this is how it has to be. This is how I have to do things that I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. Even worship can become that way. You can sing songs over and over again that have become extremely familiar to you. You can lift your hands and you can completely forget why you're doing what you're doing. Isn't that crazy? We forget why. We forget that it's God we're worshiping. We forget that we're putting Him at the center point. Not what I like, not what I don't like, not what makes me comfortable. It's all about Him. That's how my relationship with Him is authenticated when I'm real with God and He is real with me. We say things like, it's not the same, you know. It's just not the same. Well, listen, our, our salvation is in our faith in the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Not in our rules, not in our lines, not in how well we memorize them or do them. Because this is what the gospel says. The gospel says what you can't do on your own, what you could never do on your own, has been done through you, for you through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the good news. What you could never do has been done for you through Jesus Christ. He has now reopened, reconnected, paved the way for you and I to now have communion with God, for us to have connection with God, for us to have relationship with God. You and I could never have accomplished that, no matter how good we memorized the lines or followed the rules. We could have never done it on our own. And we never get to a place where we stop needing to put our faith in Christ. We never get to a place where, you know, Christ all of a sudden moves to the side and then shows us everything else that He was really holding back from us. No, it's Christ is enough. It's Christ is it. Christ is the end. Christ is the goal. It is all about Jesus Christ. You look at the scriptures, what is it pointing to? The gospel of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. The Bible says before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. Everything is pointing to Jesus. Everything is showing us Christ. Everything is revealing to us our need for Christ and showing us how much we need him and not stuff. Amen? We think we have to have all these things to be complete. We think we have, all, we have to have all of these things to be complete as Christians. We think we have to have all these things to be complete as human beings. And folks, really, it can all be summed up in Christ 
is enough. Amen? Christ is enough. He's too often, I think that we, we, and when I say we, I mean me too. I don't, I'm not picking on anyone in particular. I'm in this boat. Too many times we, we have this distorted view of, of Jesus, and we look at Jesus as if he is somehow your buddy that gets you backstage passes to go meet the band after the concert. We say, thanks for the tickets, buddy. Thanks for the tickets so we can go see the band, what we were really interested in. And then we forget about our buddy who got us there. Too often we treat Christ like he's just the beginning and then we forget about him because now we're pursuing things. It's like we get saved and now I want blessings. And what we really mean when we say we want blessings, that really means we want happiness and money. That's really what we're saying. And we'll put our faith in those things as long as we get those things. And then we push Christ to the side like he was just the doorman that opened up the door and we forget about him that he is enough. Amen? Amen. Not all of the things that I get from God as a result of me being in relationship with him. Sure, there are blessings. Sure, there are things that God wants to do for you. But that's not the goal. The goal is Jesus. You see, and he is enough. He is enough because he did what I couldn't do. He did what you couldn't do. And the only way for you and I to have right relationship with him and to have that true, authentic walk with him is for us to put our faith in Christ alone and not things and not our lines and not our play that we've so well memorized. It's putting our faith and our trust in him, not how good we are. Amen? Because guess what? When you put your faith in him... He does something you can't do, and that's He changes your heart. And then all of a sudden it begins to change your character as you get to know Him, as you begin to understand His Word, as you begin to understand exactly who He is and how much He loves you. Then all of a sudden you don't walk condemned anymore. You don't walk addicted. You don't walk frustrated and down all of the time because you understand He's my joy. He's enough. Amen? Jesus even said something like this in Matthew 6 and 33. He said to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And we know that his righteousness only comes through Christ. And he said all those other things that you're worrying about, that you're pursuing, that you're saying, when I get those things, I'll be enough. He said, no, Christ is enough. And all those things will come just as a natural course. I love the way the Amplified Bible says it. It says that all of those things will come as a matter of course. It'll just come as something natural. It's not that we have to pursue those things. Sure, we can learn how to do things in life better, and we can learn how to make better decisions and all of that, but still Christ is enough, amen? And the Bible says He leads us and guides us into all truth. I I, I want us to understand that faith in Christ, that's what makes our relationship with God authentic. I'm not changed sometime after the gospel. No, I'm changed because of the gospel. Now the manifestation and the maturation of that fruit, of how I receive the truth of the gospel, those things begin to work out as I walk my walk with him. But let me ask you this question. If I'm not showing the fruit of a life that is hid in Christ, a life that is made new in Christ, then am I truly someone who has received that message and received that by faith, or am I deceiving myself because I can keep tradition really well? In other words, I'm really good at playing the part. I'm really good at memorizing my lines. And I forgot why I do everything. And maybe I never even knew why I did it. I just was told that I was supposed to do this because this is what God 
wants me to do, or this is what the church expects me to do, but there was never really a heart change. Folks, God is after our heart, amen? The Bible even says in a prophecy by the prophet Ezekiel, foretelling the coming of Christ and what would happen as a result of Christ's arrival. You know what he said? He said that there's this heart of stone on the inside of us and that God is going to remove that heart of stone and he's going to place within us a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft and pliable towards God, a heart that is sensitive to his voice and his leading. So he'll lead us and guide us into all truth. So we'll know to go here and to not go there. So we'll know to move forward in this area and not move forward in that area because now we're sensitive to Him. Now we're softened towards Him because of our relationship with Him because I was hardened to Him before. But now because of my faith in Him, because of my faith in Jesus, it's changed everything. Let me show you this. In in John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with this Samaritan woman and He meets her at the well when he's actually wanting something to drink, and this lady was there before him, she's drawing water out of the well. Now this lady's a Samaritan woman, and during that time, Samaritans and Jews did not speak at all. That was a big no-no. You didn't talk. You weren't supposed to interact. We do things differently because we're Samaritans. You do things differently because you're Jews, and so we're very disconnected. And here's Jesus, a Jewish man, coming up to this Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. This lady freaks out and says, Whoa, 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 buddy. You know, Jew. I'm Samaritan. We're not... No. And he said, Listen, woman, if you knew who it was that was asking for a drink, he said, things would change. He said, you would be, you would be asking me for something because I'm going to give water that brings life. She looks at him. She begins to question him on a few things. And he begins to tell her about her past. Tells her how many times she's been married. And then he points out to this woman, he says, and the person that you're with now, that you're living with now, is not your husband. And she goes, what? How did did he know that? And this woman is freaking out that here's this Jew talking to her. Not only is he talking to her, but he obviously has either hired a private investigator or something's going on. He knows something. So this woman says this in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 19. The woman said to Jesus, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. In other words, you have kind of called me out on some things that nobody would really know about. So I perceive you're a prophet. And this is what she then tells him. Listen to this. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus looks at her and he says, woman. He might not have said it like that. I don't know. He said, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He said, you worship what you don't know, but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then the woman said, Now, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one that's called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, isn't that kind of an odd conversation? This lady obviously knew what was going on. This lady said, I perceive you're a prophet. And she said, so if you're a prophet, she said, I want you to tell me. 
We're supposed to worship here. This is the way we've always done it. This is where we've always worshipped. You Jews, you're supposed to do your thing in Jerusalem. That's where you say somebody ought to worship. So tell me, Mr. Prophet, where should we really worship? And he said, listen, lady, there's a time that's coming, and even now is, when it's not going to matter if you worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He said, the, the time is coming, and now is, when the Father is seeking worshipers who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And then that triggers something in the lady, and she all of a sudden knows what he's talking about. She knows that he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. That's why she says, listen, I know what you're talking about. I'm not a dummy here. I'm understanding what you're saying. You're telling me that when Christ comes, when the Messiah comes, because that's what the word Christ means. It's not Jesus' last name. We call him J.C., but that's not his last name. (laughs) If Jesus had a last name in that day, it probably would have been because of a trade. That's something that we've done, you know, that hasn't always been. So he probably would have been Jesus Carpenter, okay? So, but we call him Jesus Christ because that word Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one. And so here's the deal. She says, I know about Christ. I know about the Messiah. I know that's who you're talking about. That when he comes, that he's going to make all of those things that you've talked about a reality. And then, she, then he looks at her and he says, woman, he said, it's me. Wow. Isn't that awesome? In that moment, she gets completely awakened to the fact that it's not no longer it's no longer about whether I worship here on this mountain or whether I worship in Jerusalem because this is the way I've always done it this is what has authenticated the fact that I'm worshiping God he said no 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 it's not about that anymore because guess what I'm here you've been looking for me you've been aware of me and I'm here I'm here so now the time is the father's looking for those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth in spirit, in authenticity, that are going to worship him in a very real, genuine way. So here's the thing. Is Jesus our reality? Is he truly our reality? Is he enough or, or is there more? Is it Jesus plus another guy? Is it Jesus plus all of these other things? Or is it just Jesus, and out of him comes everything I need? You see, a lot of times we treat him as if he's somehow that starting line, and then we forget about him after we begin on this journey. The Apostle Paul, he came to this conclusion. He said, I'm, I know a lot of different things. I've been a Pharisee of Pharisees. i know the law frontwards and backwards. He said, but I, I've come to this realization that I don't really claim to know anything except Christ crucified. That's really all I've got. You mean after all those years of study, after all those years of prep, all those, that's all you have? He said, yeah, that's kind of all I've got. Because for the Apostle Paul, Christ was enough because Christ was the only one who could not, who could do what Paul could not. And Christ is the only one who can do what you and I cannot. So is he your reality? Is he your current reality? You see, when did the finished work of Christ on the cross stop being enough for us? And we believe that we started needing Jesus plus all of these other things to somehow authenticate our relationship with God. Now folks, I I want you to understand, Jesus didn't die on the cross 
just to give us this great life and all these other trinkets and treasures that we here have here on earth. Jesus died to absorb the wrath of God for us in our sin that we actually deserved so we could be forgiven and free from sin and reconnected and right standing with God. It's no longer my righteousness because my righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. It's not my lines that I've memorized. It's not my part that I've learned so well to play. No, it all of a sudden becomes His righteousness and what He has done in my heart. And that's going to produce things in my life. It's going to produce fruit in my life, of course, but those still aren't the things that save me. It's still Him. Amen? Amen. It's still Jesus my mom used to sing at church. You remember back in the day when we would have like, you know, praise and worship and then we'd always have a special song before the pastor came up. I don't know if you grew up in a church like that, but, my, but we did. And the church that we grew up in, my mom used to be the singing lady, okay? You know, like the wedding singer? Well, my mama was a church singer. And my mom would always carry around this pack of all these cassette tapes that she had that were tracks that she could sing to at any given moment. No matter where we was, Mama was already, always ready to sing. And they were these little tapes. They were green and purple tapes. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about or not. But these green and purple tapes, and she would have stacks and stacks of them. And what people used to do is they, the, the words to the songs were written so tiny, and they would put them up on the little pulpit or the podium or whatever, and they'd be singing like this and looking at them if they didn't have the words memorized. Or they'd sit there and hold it, you know. And it'd be like, Mr. Soundman, why don't you start my song? Oh, Lord, here we go. My mom used to sing this song. I'll never forget. It was the one that was always requested that she would sing when we'd have special music. And it was called, He Sees Me Through the Blood. And the song is singing about how God sees us through the blood of Jesus. And it goes like this. It said, He sees me through the blood, and He claims me through the Lamb. Talking about Christ. The song says, He doesn't see my past, but He takes me just as I am. He doesn't see a slave he doesn't see a prisoner or my chains, but he sees me through the blood of Jesus, and he can only see a king. He said he sees me through the blood of Jesus, and he claims me as his own, which means I'm a part of the royal family of God. He sees me through that blood. He doesn't see me through my past. He doesn't see me through my faults. So for Christ to be enough, for him to be my current reality, I have to awaken to the fact that He is enough right now, no matter what season of life I'm in. He won't be enough, <clears throat> understand me, He won't be enough when you get everything in life figured out. Amen. When you get everything figured out in life and you learn how to act, white, act, act right and spit white. <laughs> it's not when you have accomplished those things, then Christ becomes enough. No. That's an old southern thing. I don't know if we say that in the north. But it's, it, it's, it's that he's enough now. He's enough right now. In the middle of my shame, in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my fear, in the middle of all of the chaos that's around me. You know what? I'm making the decision that I'm going to put my faith in Christ because He's enough. He's enough. And then all of a sudden something happens when I put my faith in Him, when I trust in that He's enough. You know what? I, I, I have these desires and, and, and I want to move forward and I want to see these things happen in my life. But you know what? 
if I never see some of these things happen in my life, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Sometimes we think, well, Christ will be enough when I'm like, you know, like rolling big with like a bunch of money and I've got like this awesome house. Then Christ will be enough. Woohoo, Jesus, who wouldn't want to follow him? But will Christ be enough if you don't have that? I'm not saying that Christ won't bless you. Of course he will. But if we're seeking him for things, then we're seeking him for the wrong reason. Amen? He never told us to seek him for things. He just told us to seek him first. And then things would come later. Not seek things because of him. I'm afraid that sometimes in our walk with God that real life has become all about how much stuff we can get. Instead of realizing that we've just got Jesus. And that he's enough. And that he'll supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. By who? By Christ Jesus. Amen? Not that I have to have things to be complete. Not, oh, you must have a lot of faith and you must be a good person because I see all the things you have. No. I am complete because I have Christ. And Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. That's why we can go on mission trips all the way around this world and get a taste of other cultures that may not be as fixated on things as our culture is, but yet they're still walking full of joy. And it looks like to the, to the, to the Americanized human eye that they don't have anything. But they're complete. Why? Because they found Christ is enough. Because they found Jesus is enough. They haven't found their joy in things. They found their joy in Christ. And he is enough. He is enough. You know where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? We say that a lot. You know that the scripture preceding that, if you look at it in context, Paul says, listen, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. But in all things, I've learned that I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. Why? Because to Paul, Christ was enough. He was saying, listen, I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by a snake. That wasn't fun. I've been chased with people wanting to kill me, run me out of town. I even got lowered down from a basket over a wall because people were trying to kill me. But I've also done well in life too, and I've been successful in different areas, and I've eaten at the tables of kings before. But whether I'm in that position or whether I'm shipwrecked, I've been a base and I've learned, and I've, I've been in a place of abundance, but in all things I've learned that Christ is still enough. That's what Paul was saying. He's saying Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me because Christ was his reality. So let, let me ask you this. What are we looking to in life? What are we looking to in our everyday lives that is not as big as Jesus not even close that we think will bring us that type of love, that type of authentic faith. Because we look to thousands of other things in life for significance that are smaller than Jesus. So I want you to write this down. I want you to highlight it, underline it. I want you to write it on your face. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> that nothing is better than Jesus. That no one is bigger than Jesus. We need to remind ourselves of that daily. Amen? Because when the bills come in, 
when real life wants to smack you in the face, it wants to say, I'm bigger than Jesus, freak out begins in five, four, three, two, one. When you hear something from the principal about this child, what they did at school, you want to freak out. But when you realize, no, I'm still putting my faith in Christ because He is enough. He's going to lead me and guide me into all truth as I get to know Him through His Word, as I get to know Him through talking to Him, as I get to know Him through my relationship with Him, I begin to understand exactly how much He loves me, how big He is, and that no one is bigger, no one is better than Jesus. I want to show you one more scripture before we go this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, And it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, and I, brethren, talking about Paul, says, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellent speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. In other words, it wasn't something that I had memorized so well, that I've done so well, that I thought I could present to you. And verse 2 says this, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech that I gave to you, my preaching, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You want to know what the coolest thing that the power of God can do in your life? It's not make the blind see. It's not make the lame walk. Those things are wonderful. The greatest thing that the power of God could ever do is change our heart. Is to take out the heart of stone because we could never do that. No matter how hard we try. When we think about the power of God, a lot of times we think about everything but salvation. But the power of God can change us from the inside and begin to work its way outside as we get to know Him, as we begin to love Him, as we begin to be transformed. So we begin to understand that Christ really is enough. Then all of a sudden, wow, and I put my faith in Him, and my faith then no longer becomes about how well my lines are memorized. My faith doesn't become in my works, but my faith actually comes from knowing Him and trusting in Him. Because we can get to a place in our walk with God where we think that we've got everything memorized so well that we begin to lose sight of Him. We begin to lose sight of Him and we begin to put our faith in our works and how good we are and our faith can never be in that because those things cannot save us. Those things don't authenticate our faith. Those things don't authenticate our relationship with God. Our faith is rooted in Christ and our faith always needs to remain in Christ because therefore if any man is in Christ he's a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new that's what 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says amen basically it's saying Christ is enough Christ is enough Christ is enough so I want to challenge you today to put your faith in Christ and I want us to stand go ahead would you stand and I want us just to worship God with this
as we just declare that he's enough. So today, maybe you don't even know Christ. Maybe you need to meet him today. Well, today is, is your day. Today is the perfect opportunity for you to do that. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.